All right, this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and we'll be glad in it. It is truly a wonderful day that we have seen so many things happening in the world, senior pastor, and we just really appreciate um, God for what he's doing for us. Um, I think from this time, we really need to be thankful and really need to be grateful uh, for what God is doing. Um, We're going to be talking about the Bible and culture, um, how the Bible uh, somewhat influences culture. Uh, We know that, of course, um, you know, where we live in, in America or in the United States, there's a certain type of culture. Of course, when you go to different parts of the world, there are other types of culture, and sometimes culture influences religion, um, but we're going to have a, a, a biblical uh, viewpoint today um, of how God calls his people to live by biblical values uh, in a sinful culture, how God calls his people to live by biblical values in a sinful culture. It's also going to um, allow us to consider biblical teaching on the relationship of Christians to culture and be formed by God's word. Um, The main scripture we're looking at is actually uh, taken from uh, Matthew 5, verse 13 through 20 is is actually one of them. And I'm going to actually read that right now just to kind of give some perspective. And it says, uh, Matthew 5, verse 13 through 20 says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall Break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of God. Finally, verse 20, for I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. Of heaven, and this is just talking about how we as Christians ought to live, how we ought to be the light, how we ought to be the salt of the earth. Um, and in our outline, we're going to look at three things: being salt and light. Second is scripture and the arts, and the third is biblical wisdom on entertainment. Now, it is interesting that a people who had lived in slavery for many years would be tasked to show artistic ability. After all, at this time in their history, the Israelites were far removed 
from the finer things in life. Given this circumstance, one wonders how, could, how they could have possessed the ability to do something like build a tabernacle with all its intricate details. But there is one thing that, one thing they had going for them, they had God. And God has a way of overcoming whatever obstacles may stand in the way of accomplishing his purpose, right? An individual working in harmony with the spirit does work that brings blessings to humankind and glory to God. Let me say that again. An individual working in harmony with the spirit does work that brings blessings to humankind and glory to God. Do you want to expound on that a little bit, Senior Pastor? Yes. All I think it's saying here is that um, whatever you're gifted to do, whatever he has enabled you to do, that um, it brings blessing to humankind. None of us were really born with the talent that we are or give ourselves the talent that we are. God gave them to us through his infinite mercy and wisdom. We have become doctors, nurses, lawyers, teachers, workmen, you know, doing all kinds of things that is a blessing to the human race. It's like saying that um, if all of us were gifted, should be taken out of the United States, that some of them don't have any gift at all, the United States would be barren. So we, we are made and sent here for a purpose, to help humankind and to bring glory to God. Whatever we're doing should bring glory to God. If God is not getting the glory from whatever we are doing, in whatever field we work in, then um, we are weighing the balances. So whatever you're gifted to do, do it willingly, do it well, and do it to glorify God. God must Amen. be glorified. And don't take what you have for granted. We, we always sing, if you have a talent, come back to that again. Use it for the Lord, for if you don't use it, you'll surely lose it. But whatever you do, make sure that you're blessing humankind and you're bringing glory to God. God must get the glory. The songs that we sing, the messages that we preach, whatever field we're in, you know, God must be glorified in everything that we do. Well, it, it also it goes on to say here, to make a difference where we live, we must be in the world, but not of the world. And I know Christians, or even unbelievers, for that matter, when they hear that, you know, they cringe because it's it's always a a, a statement that is hard to understand. You know, to make a difference where we live, we must be in the world, but not of the world. Um, Amen. But when we look at 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the right. things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, 
and the love thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth. And I guess it goes right back to what, you know, you were saying, that whatever, if you have a talent, whatever God has given to you, you have to find a way to use it for the Lord. Because I think sometimes we are constrictive. We, we constrict ourselves to just the church environment when in actuality, you know, when we go to our various jobs, when we, you know, you know, walk the streets and, you know, go to the grocery store or, you know, pump gas, you know, how can we become that different? How can we make a difference where yes. we live? Amen. And, and that's a question I think, you know, it's hard for us to answer. Um, how can, you know, can you explain to us as Christians, um, how can we make a difference where we live? Well, like I, as I said before, you know, and the lesson bears that out today, we are surrounded by a world of people who don't know God. Um, right. And God, through us, has demonstrated what can be accomplished when one is yielded to the Lord and when we walk in obedience to him. And as we look at this lesson today, we must know that the Lord thinketh not as we think. We need to remember that wherever the Bible has been consistently applied, it has dramatically changed the civilization and culture of those who have accepted his teaching. If you have a, a community, if you have a state, if you have a country that believes in God and practice teachings and biblical things, that, that place will be better. If, if, yeah. if, if, if you have sinners, all sinners, then we are prone to just sin because that's what sinners do. Righteous people do righteous work. You know, yeah. so we, we need to, to know that, that um, the Bible speaks to man everywhere and in every culture. It doesn't matter wherever we are from, whatever language we speak, the Bible speaks to us. He commands men everywhere to repent. His standard, and I'm talking about biblical standard. The Father's standard, his standard remains the same in every place and in every culture. Let me repeat that. His standard remains the same in every place and in every culture. All right. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount challenged the proud and... um, legalistic religious leaders of the day. I call them back to the message of the Old Testament prophets who, like Jesus, taught that heartfelt obedience is more important. And let me repeat that. Heartfelt obedience is more important than legalistic observances. You know, people observe this, some observe trees, some observe rivers, some do that and some do that. But the word of God, if we believe him in our heart, that is more important than anything else. Go on, Pastor. Amen. 
Yes, and um, I was looking here. It, it, it talks about um, how we can make a difference as well. Um, you know, <laughs> when when we go to work and, you know, we may have a boss or we may have a coworker that um, there might be some indifference to, um, I think sometimes we handle things differently. Even in the way we talk to our spouses or talk to our children, uh, people are looking at that. Um, people consistently look. Once you wear that badge saying that you are a Christian, people are constantly looking at what's different about you or what's you know, different about the way you handle things. And I feel that sometimes um, we do the kingdom um, a disservice because of how we interact with people um, on a daily basis. And I think if we start changing the way we act towards each other, we see this so prevalent in the church, the way we act towards each other, um, I think, you know, we'll start making that impact or have that influence on the world that we ought to have. Um, So how can we change how we, you know, deal with each other in the church. I, I guess that's a question I'm also asking you because, you know, we, we're seeing it time and time again where uh, we fail each other, you know, uh, leadership fails, pastors fail, bishops fail, uh, <laughs> prophets and prophetesses fail. How can we get back to that place where we now, you know, are the salt of the earth, where we are now the light um, in a dark world. Yeah, and and I I wish that we could get some of our ministers in on this as well. I know Minister Cunningham is there. I know Deacon Campbell is there. I don't know if Minister Davidson is there. I don't know who else is there. But um, this is very, very important. Um, Jesus here was, from Matthew, or according to the outline of Matthew, was the Sermon on the Mount. And he began his sermon with words that seemed to contradict each other. But I'd like to remind us that God's way of living usually contradicts the world. Right. And from the Gospel of Matthew, we learn what it means to be salt and light in our world. As as salt, we are to be a preventative force against corruption. As light, we are to live in a way that others will see Christ in us so that we can show them the path that leads to eternal life. Um, My mother used to say, you don't fight fire with fire. Fire. And... um, I know that we, have, we all came out of sin and some of us were grown up differently and that sort of thing. And um, when you come to Christ, not everything goes away. It's a process that takes time as you get into the consecration well, as you get into the sanctification stream that you drop off these habits. They don't go away one by one. And the devil always seem to 
plague us with whatever we are coming from and bring it unto us. But Jesus said, let your light shine. And as I thought about it, we must shine not only when things are going good, but we must shine when people say evil against us. Shine when things go wrong. We are sometimes quick to rebuff or display a bad attitude, you know, and we, we sometimes say, I saw mistake, I'm in nature. No, God changed all of that when you come to him. So with whichever way you were, now that you come to him, some things must change. As I said, the devil will try to push us back and use certain things against us. But um, think about darkness and light. Place is dark, and as soon as the light comes, the darkness disappears. So um, our attitude must change. We must learn to keep our cool. Keep your composure when things go wrong. You cannot display a bad attitude. And I'm guilty of that sometimes too. Don't fight fire with fire. Shine. Some of us are too emotional. We are ready to fight back. God does not tell you to do that and he doesn't get the glory from your sword fight. The way to treat each other sends a signal to the world. You know? Sends a signal to the world. Keep calm. Keep cool under pressure. I can't guarantee. I I was talking to somebody the other day, and, you know, they were talking about certain conditions that exist where they worship. And I, I told them, you know, I cannot guarantee anybody who comes to church that somebody is not going to step on your toe. Somebody right. is going to match your toe. But learn to keep calm, calm. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. For we are different and must be different from the world, as Pastor O said. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. And Jesus made it clear, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look what he did. He loved us, and although we hurt him, although we crucify him, although we run a spear in his side, he still loved us that he gave his life for us. I, I don't know if any of the ministers online that would, perhaps you can tell them the button to press all under so that they could come on. Uh going to be a bit technical, but what I was looking at um, from uh, Rick Warren had said something um, that was quite interesting. He says, your spiritual gifts were not given for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others, just as other people were given gifts for your benefit. And I think um, one of the things we have to really pay attention to is the why. Why did God call me? Why did God, even me, why did God call me with, with all my issues, all my circumstances, you know, with all my flaws, with everything that I have been through, with everything that, you know, that has plagued me, uh, with my past issues, with my past period, why did he call me? 
you know, why, why does he want to use me? And I think that's something that we really need to look at. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Glory of God. But the, Amen. But the thing is, we, we haven't gotten to the do all yet, the do all to the glory of God. That's what's giving us problems because there are times when we're going to do things for ourselves. You know, you know when, we, when we get that promotion at, at work or, you know, when we, you know, purchase a house or you know, purchase a car, those are, are good things, but all those things are really for us, for our enjoyment, for our comfort. But when are we going to transition now to, if I'm going to buy a home, you know, how, am I, how is this going to now you know, glorify God. When I do buy a car, how, how can I now with this new car glorify God? With my promotion at work or whatever activities of life, how can these changes that I make in my life, not only for the betterment of myself, but how can it glorify God? How can it build the kingdom? And I think that's the problem uh, that we as Christians constantly have. Um, you know, are we going to pick up our brothers and sisters to come to church in our new car? You know, are we going to invite, you know, uh, the widow and the widower over for, for dinner? You know, um, are we going to cook for somebody who is less needy or less fortunate, you know, in our home? Or are we just doing everything for ourselves? Are we just living in our neighborhood and we're just blind to what's going on in the world? And that's something that we really need to look at as Christians, how are we going to glorify uh, God with the things that we have? Um, even as I please all men in all things, this is First Corinthians 10, verse 33, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And, and Paul, this was his ultimate goal, that whatever he's doing, he's doing it so that all can be saved. Uh, so I think we really need to look at that as Christians is to make sure that we do whatever we need to do in order to glorify God and to build uh, the kingdom of God. Um, there's, Wesley L. Duell says the most crucial danger to a Christian, whatever his role, is to lack a passion for Christ. The most direct route to personal renewal and new effectiveness is a new all-consuming passion for Jesus. Lord, give us this passion, whatever the cost. Senior Pastor, can you speak to that? Passion. I think church is missing passion. I've been saying this for weeks, months, years. The church is missing passion. Yeah, and it's, it's the same thing like just a while ago. You opened the line for people to say something, and it seemed like when it comes to God, we always don't have anything to say. Right. You know, when it comes to giving our testimony of the goodness of God, we are not there at all. But yet when it comes to talking people business, or hearing something, we will spend hours on the phone and right. time on the phone 
Um, we must have a passion for people. We must have a passion for God and God's work. Um, I remember when, when we were young Christians, oh, we used to walk three miles to church and we used to run. The passion was there. You don't want to be late for any service. And then the church was up on a liquor hill and when we're going down the hill and here, they're singing and they're rejoicing. Coming from the church, we quicken our steps because we wanted to be there in the service. And um, my sister was talking about the other day, about the days at Maxwell Avenue, how that um, sometime we would come home from school late, but we were running to church. They used to have revival. And 12 o'clock, they were still in revival. I know things and times have changed, and people don't see that happening now. You know, but look at what happened with the pandemic here now. That right. we are home. And um, somebody told me yesterday, I think it was Sister Pansy who said, Pastor, I'm longing to be in church. I miss church so much. Where, where is your passion for whatever the Lord has called you to do? You're going to have right. to give account. And I know people sometimes blame pastor, the pastor not doing this and the pastor not doing that. And the pa- If you are the only person in church, you must be there. And you can't right. say, oh, I'm the only young person there, so the church not this and the church not that. Have that passion and try to win somebody else. A passion, a passion that is something that is inside you that, that comes out We sing. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking. That woman, when she got the, the, the salvation, you know, she got the water that was not in the well. She, she developed a passion, and she ran. She said, come, something good has happened to me. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. Something good has happened to me by a man who I've never seen or met before. Come see him so that something can happen to you too. You know, and that's what we need. We need to be so caught up. Stop listening to the gimmick. Stop, stop listening to the trash and put your passion in God and do because your work will be tried. And I was Amen. reading in this where it, said, where it said, Pastor O, have you ever thought of what it would be like if there were no Christians in the world? What right. would it be like <laughs> if there were only thieves and rogues? And ungodly people, Christians are despised by many in our world. Yet it is they who are holding the planet together. Don't lose that. It is us who are holding the planet together because of our prayers. Then certain things can't happen. We see where, where the United States is going right now. If God does not intervene, we are in trouble. So Amen. continue to pray. If you are the only person in your house that is saved, don't stop crying and singing the song and rejoicing until somebody else gets saved. If your husband not saved, have a passion for Christ because the same husband that you're talking about, he's the one who wants to see Christ in you. The same children Amen. that are giving you trouble, they're the ones who want to see Christ in you because that's why we are called the salt of the earth, the purifying factor in the world. We are a preservative against corruption. In Jesus' day, people did not have the methods of refrigeration that we have today. 
if they needed to transport fish, they had caught from the Sea of Galilee to Jerusalem. They had to salt it down heavily in order to keep it from going bad. And I, I, you heard me talk about that in my days growing up, where they would kill the, 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 the pig, and they would rub salt all over it, and they burn it first, then they rub salt all over it, and they tie it in the kitchen. kitchen used to be outside, and nothing at all would happen to that. You know, if it touched, them used to call it, if it touched, if it gets bad, you can't eat it. So the salt had to be rubbed into the fish, and we are the salt of the earth. Rub some salt. Rub some salt into somebody. Stop the gimmick and rub some salt. Rub some salt in your home. Rub some salt at work. And everywhere, make your life touch others. Because if we lose our zest for Christ, we will no longer make the Christian life attractive to people for Christ. And that's what happened. And for people who don't know him, we are losing our zest. We are losing our zeal. And big people say, oh, so if she's a Christian and behave like that or complain like that, why should I come? Let's not right. lose the positive influence that the Lord intends for us to have in the world. Amen. And, um, you know, when we, one, one thing that is important I think we also need to look at is, you know, not only should we not lose our, lose our zest, but we should be steadfast in what, you know, we're supposed to do. First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. you know, uh, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as we know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. And it seems as if we are in a season where Christians become shaken by the the, the simplest thing, the smallest thing. Um, you know, some a coworker and I were, were reminiscing, he's a Christian, and we were talking about how things used to be. I mean, I'm young enough or old enough, whichever way you want to look at it, to know those times when um, when the service began with just a song. There, there wasn't an organized type of music the way we have it now. I mean, of course, I grew up during a time when there was, you know, a, a guitar or drums or, or, or keyboard or piano or organ or, or, or stuff like that. But sometimes, you know, we, we used to have song leaders, and the song leader would just come up and would just start a song, and just that one song could set the place ablaze. Yes. You know, Amen. people would be delivered, people would be set free, people would cry, you know, people would run the aisles because of that one song, because we were singing it out of the experience that we had, how, out of the deliverance that we received from, from, from God through the Holy Spirit. And I, I, sometimes I yearn for those days because for a younger generation, they are not seeing that in the churches anymore. You know, they come to this kind of organized atmosphere um, where you have wonderful singing. And I, I, and I know the church has come a long way. And, we, you know, we have this, these wonderful programs and these wonderful worship bands and worship teams. And, you know, some, some places still have choirs. And we come and we sit down in pews and, we, and, and you know, we just sit down and we, we just feed and then we go home. And then that's it. Um, but there is a deeper calling, I think, uh, for us to, 
to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to stand in what God has called us to. Um, not only are Christians to remain steadfast and unmovable in the faith, we're also called on to be fully engaged in the work of the Lord, which is what you talked about uh, a few moments ago. Such service seeks out the will of God, strives to do all for the glory of God, and works to advance his kingdom. This commitment is not meant for a day or week or month, but for always. There is no time to be slack in the service of the masters. It's time for us to step up and do what God has called us to do. Um, through the grace of God and the merits of Christ, the time we invest in the work of the Lord is never time wasted. And that was such Amen. an encouragement to me when I read it um, because, you know, many have come from a mighty long way. Many have been saved for a long time. And can you just speak to those individuals that have been in service to the Lord? They may be discouraged um, right now because they are seeing things just kind of fall apart. Um, and they may have been, as I would say, prayed out or they have sung all the songs they could sing, and they don't know how to stand. Can you speak to those individuals now to just kind of encourage them and lift their spirits? Well, well, one thing that used to bless me, Pastor O, and those who are listening, when I was a young boy growing up, and remember that, um, as Pastor O said, back then, you, you could even have a drum set in the church and all. They didn't, they didn't right. want that. They, they, they think it was not sacred or holy, you know. I don't know you make a drum set holy, but um, one thing that used to bless me, they used to say, iron sharpened iron, and the countenance of each, of each one brightens the other. And um, those who have been traveling for a long time, who have seen it all, you know, um, have seen wonderful things as I travel along my wife's favorite song, and I carry a load in each hand, you know, and um, yet somebody else, when I've gone the last mile of the way, I shall see the great king in his beauty when I've gone the last mile of the way. Don't be wary in well-doing, because people look at it when it says that the books are open and another book and all men were judged. It was not just for the unrighteous and the sinners. It was also for us, for the works that we have done. And um, in, in a class that I sat, that the teachers taught us that when the Lord comes back to set up his kingdom, that is not that we are just going to sit down and do nothing. Business is going to go on, you know. He's going to give talent thou has been faithful over a few things, I will make the ruler over many. He's going to have people that is in charge of so and so, somebody to see to it that the food is done properly, somebody to see to it that so and so, and it is said the lamb himself shall, shall feed us. But work will go on. It's a kingdom. And work Amen. goes on in the kingdom. So, you know, our our Efforts will be rewarded. And um, I was also reading here that God gifts 
anyone whom he calls to unemployment. Look at the gifts mm. that came with this infilling of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all kinds of skills. Right? Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Some preach, some sing, some to do. The, 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 the other duties, ushering and um, care for the church and, um, you know, care for the widows and so on. All of these are a part that makes up the king. He never calls anybody and don't give you a gift or give you an infilling to do whatever you need to do. Um, those that were called um, and told to Moses what they ought to do. They did design of working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of craft. So whatever you're doing, if you're just teaching the kids, if you're doing like what, um, you know, some are called to do, that they do the artistic dance and what have you, it's your gift. Your spiritual gifts were not given for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. Just as other people are given gifts for your benefit, says Rick, Rick, Rick Wallen. So, my friend, let's get up and do what the Lord asks us to do because we're going to have to give account for that which we have done and that which we have not done. You know, let's do it and stop looking on somebody else and stop pointing fingers at somebody else to get it done. Um, if other people can do it, why not you? Why not mm-hmm. you? Let's use our gift and our talent to glorify God, because, yes, you are gifted to do so and so, and you might lose that job. The money might run out. You might lose that house. You might lose that car. So work for the Lord. Work with all your might, and let's break down the strongholds of the devil, and let's be salt and light to everyone around us. The, the final thing I want to look at, Senior Pastor, is entertainment. Um, and this has been a contention, a stronghold, especially with our younger generation. And this is nothing new. I, I think the church has been fighting this battle for a very long time, um, even from the, you know, beginnings of the early church, you know, entertainment, how we as individuals turn to the world for entertainment. Um, Now, there are some good entertainment, and there is not good entertainment. Uh, So how can we balance that? Um, Yes, we want to go out and, you know, every year my family and I, we try to go to the fair, but how can we glorify God through that. You know, there are times when um, I, I get into it sometimes with my children about the music that they listen to. Um, how do we help to, to guide our young ones to understand that the, the influences that they see and the things that they hear might not be um, for Christian consumption? How can we, how can we speak to those those individuals, especially parents. And, and it's simple. Um, one of the things that guide me over the years, and I am not saying that 
I don't slip and fall sometimes, but one of the things that guide me and that we need to ask ourselves is, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Wherever I'm going to go, would Jesus go there? And yes, he went to their feast, and he went to their weddings, and he went to their days, and that sort of thing. But note that whenever he goes, it was always that he wants to glorify God. When he went to the, to the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and they were drinking and the wine was finished, and um, he had to turn water into wine. But notice that God was glorified. He went to their feast days, and um, at the end, he always talked about God. God is always glorified. Um, music started first with the church. Right. The world has stolen the music, and they have put, and music is pure. Is what you put to music. So um, there's always that little spirit, that little voice in us that is always saying, whenever you're doing something or you're going to say something, and even if you commit the crime, at the end there's always that voice, with little voice, still small voice, talking to you, saying, you know, that wasn't right, you know, that wasn't right. Let that voice speak to you. And what people need to do, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you need to strive to be filled with the Spirit of of God. Because He comes to teach us. He comes to direct us. He's a trainer. He's a teacher. He he gives influence. Decide, Decide on the influence of your life to everybody. And I, I want for you to note, I was reading, I think it was in, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Isaiah chapter 5 or something like that, where it was talking about all the people with their entertainment and their nose ring and their this ring and their the ring on their, their the anklet and things like that. And Isaiah said, the Lord shall put away in that day. The Lord shall put away the bravery of their thinking symbols and name whatever, whatever, whatever. You don't have to do anything to look pretty, you know. God God already make you beautiful. You don't have to go out and show anybody how much you can dance. And and some people, (laughs) you know, some people, as soon as the music starts, them just want to hear a music. Them no. We really stop to see what is put to the music. And I think we even talked about the other day, even some of the Christian music, now what they call Christian music. We have to be careful of what is put to that and who is putting it out. Because right. it might be glorifying the devil, not God. You know? Whatever we do in our music, whatever we do by way of entertainment, God must do it, and it's talk about biblical wisdom and entertainment. And the prophet Isaiah pronounced a series of woes upon the people of Israel because of their sinful ways. Among their sins were those that sprung from moral confusion in which they did not distinguish between good and evil. This is a false conception that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when the serpent 
tempted Eve to think it was not evil but good to eat the forbidden fruit. The serpent was denying the truth of the word of God as an absolute and final standard. The scripture set the standard of right and wrong. In the mind of men and women under the influence of evil forces, to call evil good and good evil would substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. And remember, when the light comes in, the darkness must disappear. So be careful of what you watch. Be careful of the movies. Be careful of the TV programs. Be careful of what you do on social media. Christians are are mocked for living out biblical principles whose practicing deeds contrary to the word of God are embraced and applauded. My friends, as long as you please God in whatever you do, let's please God in whatever we do. And if you don't feel good about it, it simply means it's wrong. And if you feel good about evil and about wrong, then it simply means you need to go back to the drawing board, you know? You cannot do it. doesn't matter. As I go back to what we said in our opening statement here, um, that regardless of what you do, if you are saved, you will keep your peace in God. You will keep your joy. You will not lose it. And I, I, I like what, what Paul says here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do and the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. Um, Elizabeth Elliot says, spiritual strongholds begin with a thought. One thought becomes a consideration. A consideration develops into an attitude, which leads then to action. Action repeated becomes a habit, and a habit establishes a power base for the enemy. That is a stronghold. Pulling down the stronghold. We must break down stronghold. How bright is your light shining? Is your life a lighthouse showing others the path of righteousness? It is a lamp filling every room with brightness. It is a shining star leading wanderers to Christ. Are you learning more and more about the Lord that you may share more and more of his character to those who have not yet tasted of his glory. Remember, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is heaven. And finally, it says, if a seasoning has no flavor, it has no value. If Christians Mm -hmm. make no effort to affect the world around them, they are of little value to God. If we are too much like the world, we are worthless Christians. Christians should not blend in. Can I say that again? 
Christians should not blend in with everyone else. Instead, we should affect others positively, just as seasoning brings out the best flavor in food. Let's go from here. Let's be salt and light. Remember, if the salt has lost its savior, wherewith shall it be salted? Blessings to you today. And the main thing is that men may see your good works and glorify God. It's not about us. We do the work so that God gets the glory from it. Blessings to you all today. Amen. And we have to live our, our Christianity. We have to live it. We have to live our Christianity because when we live our Christianity, others will see it. And I think that's what we need to take away from everything that has been said. If we live our Christianity, others will see it. And when they see it, they'll come. They'll come and glorify God because of what they see in us, because of how we live, because of how we're able to affect the world. They will come. Others will see it, and they will come to glorify God. They will be changed as a result of us living our Christianity. Can you just pronounce a blessing? Um, Like I said earlier, there are those that are still struggling, um, trying to find their, you know, their position in God. God, what can I do in order to affect change? What can I do in order to live, you know, um, to glorify you, Lord, you know, uh, there's some people that have been safe for a long time. They feel like giving up. They feel like throwing in the towel. They feel as if, you know, um, they're not making the change that they want to. Um, So many things around them, so many things happening, so many things going on, and they're not sure. If you can, just pray for them um, so that God will give them the added strength that they need in order to persevere, in order to survive, in order to live, uh, live out their Christian life so that others will come to see him as Christ, as their Savior and Lord. Amen. And let me also say before I pray that to be lights in this world does not mean we will always be accepted or appreciated. Be light to the world does not mean that we will always be accepted or appreciated. I don't know of any Christian that I've known before me and those who will come after me that has not had people who tell them, oh, you're too early, you act like you're too early because of so-and-so. You know, I don't know of anybody in the Christian path who have not been ridiculed. Um, But like our Lord, we may be hated. And Jesus warned his disciples, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. But uh, Paul admonished the Christians that um, he may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But we must shine as light 
to the world. I'd like to encourage everybody today, never give up, never let go, but put your hands in the hands of the man who stilled the water. Let the Lord direct you. For this is a journey we all must take. And sometimes we have to go alone, all alone, just me and the Lord. It's all a part of the Master's plan. Oh, we are just on a step to the road, the way home. So when you're lonely and sick of heart, go to Jesus. Go to the friend that we know. Because he will take all our sorrows. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we pray and we present everyone to the Lord for safekeeping. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know your situation. Some of you are distant away, but God knows everything. He knows what you're going through. Does Jesus care? Oh, yes, my friend, he cares. His heart is touched with our grief. Hurt has no sorrow. Hallelujah. I said hurt has no sorrow that heaven cannot cure. Because before the world was formed, he knew that you were going to go through this. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In thy faithfulness answer me, and in thy righteousness. Enter not into judgment with thy servant, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified. For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground. He hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. But, O oh God, we remember the days of old. We meditate upon thy works. We muse upon the works of thy hand. We stretch forth your hand unto me and unto each of us, for our souls thirsteth for thee as a thirsty land. Hear us, O Lord. Bless us today. Hide not your face from us. Oh, lest we go down into the pit. Cause us to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee we put our trust. Cause us to know thy way wherein we should walk, for we lift up our souls unto thee. Hear us, O Lord. You understand what we go through. You are acquainted with our down-sitting and our uprising, and you know our thoughts are far off. Oh, but when our heart is overwhelmed, lead us to that rock. Yes, we go through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes, but help us to fear no evil, for thou art with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. We ask that you will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We ask that you will anoint our head with oil, that our cup will run over. We pray, God, that we will hear your pronouncement today. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Comfort somebody this morning. Speak to somebody's heart this morning. Somebody will feel like they want to give up. Somebody will feel that nobody cares. Somebody who is so 
sick in soul and body and spirit uh, that they don't know what to do. But I hear the songwriter said, I'll go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. Oh, God, I run to the rock of my salvation. Oh, the rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Hear us today. Bless us today. I ask that you will reach out your hand right now and touch somebody. Oh, I hear the songwriter say to get a touch from the Lord. He's so real. If we draw a night to him, he will draw a night to us. Oh, hear us this morning. Preserve our souls. The devil is out to destroy us. But oh, thank you for praying for us as you told Peter. You said, I'm praying for you. Thank you for that prayer. Thank you for interceding for us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for protecting us, Lord. Thank you for provision. Thank you for keeping us, Lord, because thou art able to keep that which we have committed unto you against that day and all we want to do is to come to heaven to be with you some of us have traveled long oh god but help us uh, that we will keep our eyes on the shuttle and our eyes upon the rail oh precious jesus uh, if thou will guide us uh, till we enter the promised land hear us today and bless us and keep us bless everyone today those who are not saved those who have not been fully committed to you there are so many distractions trying to get our eyes off you but help us to keep our eyes on you and not the pleasures of this world hear us lord and until we see you until we come lord whether by death or by life may we lord come to be with you for you have gone to prepare a place for us that where you are we will be also thank you lord for hearing us today thank you for your blessings past present and future in the mighty name of jehovah we bless your name today and we glorify you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen and amen Amen.